Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. A cross-party committee calls the UK's initial response to the pandemic one of the worst health failures in British history. While criticism at the time was unpatriotic and unhelpful, and criticism running up to it was that Operation Sickness thing that was pure speculation. As a result, Spring's full Covid inquiry will now ask Switzerland to borrow the Large Hadron Collider to see if it can be used to detect the minuscule period of time in which it's actually permissible to ever criticise this government. China says it is unlikely that President Xi Jinping will attend the coming COP26 summit. By refusing to do so, he has Winnie the Pooh-Pooed international efforts to persuade China to limit its use of coal. North Yorkshire Commissioner Philip Allott resigns after a fortnight of outcry over his comments following Sarah Everard's murder. Silly boy, he should probably have been more streetwise. And finally, the UN withdraws its job offer to make Matt Hancock a special envoy, after it fails to put a protective ring around his contract. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and it falls on me to once again make light of the week's news. Unfortunately, this week I'll be doing it walking the awkward high wire of being critical of our elected officials within days of another of them being brutally murdered while carrying out their duties. On Friday, Conservative MP Sir David Amos was stabbed and killed when meeting with his constituents in Leon C. His murder is being treated as a terrorist incident. Before we clumsily attempt to plough on with the jokes, it is very much worth pausing to reflect on how just about every prick on the internet is responding to this senseless act of violence. There is not a voting record in the land, nor an ad hominem criticism thrown out by any commenter or elected official that ever justifies an act of political violence like this. And for fuck's sake, however well intended, it is ghoulish and less than helpful for either side to suggest otherwise in the immediate aftermath of one. If you're on the left, you should be just as appalled at the murder of Sir David as you were by that of Joe Cox, as opposed to rushing to highlight some of his political views. And if you're on the right, rushing to lay the blame for what is increasingly looking like an act of Islamist terrorism on Angela Rayner's conference comments just makes you look like an equally predatory opportunist. Our political system is divisive by design, and there absolutely should be questions asked of that setup in the wake of an atrocity like this. But in the immediate aftermath of a man's death, in such horrific circumstances, when the facts are barely known and the context purely speculative, the only thoughts should be with the victim's family, rather than poured out in the form of ignorant partisan bile across Twitter. Any attack on our elected officials is an attack on our democracy itself. Such violence serves only to separate the people from those who are elected to represent them, and it offers no form of accountability whatsoever. On that note, and in the pursuit of actual accountability, here's Tom King. 
Thanks, Sam. This has been a pretty horrific week for news that overshadows, well, everything, but it would be absolutely remiss of us not to address the cross-party report that came out just a few short days ago. It formed an ominous precursor to Spring's Covid inquiry and, put simply, it was not pleasant reading for the government. This report was a joint effort between the Health and Social Care and Science and Technology Committees, with panels featuring MPs of all stripes and plenty of notable Conservatives. And if those same Conservatives are willing to call Boris Johnson's coronavirus response one of the worst health failures the UK has ever seen, then, well, oof. A genuinely independent inquiry, one that actually talks to the families of victims and puts a bit of actual focus on some of the appalling human loss, is hardly going to be the hot stone massage and pat on the back that Boris will be hoping for. And if it is, then fuck me, something will smell fishier than two copied ex-stuffed tuna left in the sun to marinade in a bucket of old spunk. So what did we learn? Well, to be honest, not that much that wasn't already incredibly obvious. The delays to lockdowns caused unnecessary deaths. Care homes were exposed to terrible and unforgivable risks. Test and trace was a hot mess, and the government's earliest strategies amounted to the pursuit of achieving herd immunity through infection. The scientific advice was flawed, and the policymaking even more so. But what is truly remarkable are the endless assertions from the government that so much of this was unpredictable at the time, and can now only be criticised with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, what? Anyone with even a vague awareness of how other countries were handling their first wave better wanted the UK to respond faster. In any other reality, and with any other leader, this report would be the end of an administration. Tens of thousands of people who may otherwise have lived died because of government incompetence. For all the insistence from the Conservatives that the NHS was saved by their actions by any reasonable metric, it was very much overwhelmed. Cancelling and rationing care, racking up a backlog that has left millions without access to the health care they need is hardly a successful rescue operation. We're staring down the barrel of waiting times longer than George R. R. Martin's to-do list, with no immediate sign that we're even close to getting a handle of the situation. Oh, and if you're sitting there preparing to hammer I told you so into a keyboard in your mum's basement before ranting about Sweden, no, this report does not vindicate the conspiracy theorists or the self-proclaimed medical experts. Lockdowns, although brutal and draconian and carrying their own dreadful human cost, did save lives. They just didn't save enough due to the useless way in which they were implemented. The excuses are absolutely miserable, and in the case of the Prime Minister, the apologies are non-existent. And although this report is justifiably scathing, it does in some ways attempt to ameliorate its criticism of the government by lauding the success of our vaccine programme. But here's the thing... 
everything that was achieved there does nothing to vindicate the mistakes that came before it. This pandemic isn't a football match where the plucky underdog comes back from 138,000 down in the first half and everything is forgiven. Those deaths still matter and there has to be accountability for them. Which is why it's so important to remember that despite the horrific events of the Friday just gone, there has to be space in our national debate for robust criticism of our politicians and systems when they fail us so very badly. The sort of groupthink and laissez-faire complacency that has cost us so very much over the last two years has to be challenged, not through violence, but through a call for genuine accountability and there has been precious little of that for those in charge of our response to COVID-19. I'm Tom King, reporting for IC News. We pivot now from disastrously handled conservative public health responses to disastrously handled conservative trade agreements and the latest developments in everybody's favourite dinner had it actually been delivered to the supermarket conversation, Brexit. This week it finally appeared to dawn on both the European Union and the British government that things might not be working all that well in Northern Ireland. The UK's chief Brexit negotiator Sir David Frost called for the complete scrapping and reimagining of the Northern Ireland Protocol, while the EU brought their own solutions to the debate table with a series of wide-ranging concessions on border checks. We're joined in the studio today by our trade correspondent, Che Burnley. Che, this is undoubtedly one of the most significant developments we've seen yet in the ongoing wrangle over the Northern Ireland Protocol. It marks a significant change of approach from the EU, who the UK government have long criticised as being too stringent in the way it was being applied. Is there any truth in that? Well, that very much depends on how you define truth, Sam. It used to be a pretty cast-iron concept, but under Boris Johnson's government, it's become rather more flexible. How do you mean? Well, I'll give you a hypothetical example. Let's say I, in my role here at the network, touted a project I worked on as a fantastic solution for the show's future success. Okay, I'm with you. And then I pitched my solution to our stakeholders, convincing them to back it in a deciding vote. Right. Then, just a few months later, I started calling the project I worked on and backed with such enthusiasm an utterly unworkable piece of shit that needs to be thrown out completely. I'd probably get fired, right? Sorry, what's any of this got to do with the definition of truth, Che? Just stick with me, fella. True or false, if I did all that, I'd probably get fired. Hypothetically, true. True or false, if I negotiated and signed off on a deal with a third party as part of my project, it would be absolutely fucking ridiculous of me to blame them for sticking too closely to the precise legal terms we both agreed on. True. True or false, If I convinced our stakeholders that I could deliver the project on my terms and then decided my terms were unworkable, they wouldn't be happy with me either. True again, I guess? And finally, true or false, I'd look like a massive knobhead who doesn't have a clue what the hell he's doing. I'm not sure our disciplinary policies phrase it quite like that, but true. Well, there you go then. Truth doesn't apply to this government who got themselves elected on the promise of their deal. A deal which they're now saying is useless and they're blaming the EU for expecting us to stick to it. Truth doesn't apply to a government aided and abetted by complicit media who want their stakeholders 
the British people to direct their anger at Europe for honouring the very deal they proposed. And Lord Frost, in all his useless fucking glory, being one of those unelected bureaucrats we're apparently so fond of, remains utterly unaccountable for any of it. In fact, he's free to keep swinging completely unworkable sledgehammers even when the EU shows contrition to the concerns of unionists in Northern Ireland by proposing radical changes of their own. It's an absolute fucking farce. The European Union have come back to the table with genuine proposals that could fix the problems with the protocol. Proposals that essentially amount to a unique trading relationship not enjoyed by anyone else the Union shares a land border with. The very thing Brexiteers were always insisted we could have. Frosty's best response to that remarkable shift is to, all of a sudden, bang his foot down about the role of the European Court of Justice. A role he agreed and one that only applies when there's a dispute around complying with applicable EU laws in the first place. It's like his one and only job is to constantly invent new and utterly bullshit red lines that the EU could never and will never agree to. So what's the likely outcome here? Well, either the EU climbs down completely and Lord Frost gets everything he says he wants, which is highly unlikely given that Frosty is less decisive than a magic eight ball filled with liquid cluelessness, or the UK does. Meaning, we tinker around the edges of the EU's fresh proposals to save face, but ultimately agree to them. The only alternative is the eventual triggering of Article 16, and that's the absolute fucking mess that would create. I'd love to say that it's probably off the table, but we've seen all too well just how this government likes to plan for all the possible outcomes of its own stupid decisions. Put simply, we have absolutely embarrassed ourselves, and this clown car of numpties are hitting new heights of total incompetence every single day. And this is when it comes to delivering the one thing they expected to happen when they won the election. It's no wonder that throwing them a few curveballs killed tens of thousands of people that never needed to die. Hey, Jay, guess what? That's a weirdly excitable tone to take, given the last thing I said, but fine, I'll, I'll bite. What? I think we finally just got through a whole interview about trade in the EU, and we didn't mention race once. Oh, for fuck's sake. <coughs> no, no, fuck it, give me that ear! Sorry. Why? Why do you always have to make it weird and bring it back around to my blackness? I didn't mean to, it's just... Well, we haven't had you on for a while, and I was kind of expecting us to go off on a tangent like we always do, and it was just nice that we didn't, and I wanted to celebrate that. (sighs) You're right, Sam. It has been a while since I've been on. There's loads you want to ask me about, isn't there? Yeah, just a bit. (sighs) Fine. Health inequalities that caused higher death rates among ethnic minorities are a direct consequence of systemic racism. Bill Cosby, despite being released from prison, remains an unforgivable scumbag. Jesse Nelson's new video is some seriously questionable bullshit, no matter what Nicki Minaj says. But if we're piling on her, we definitely need to have a long conversation about Ariana Grande. The intersectional hand grenade Dave Chappelle tossed into the bullshit cancer culture war and walked away from. More racism in football. The super trifecta of racism, misogyny and homophobia in the form of John Gruden in the NFL. Shall I go on? No, I think you're all right. I've always got a spare. I hate you, Sam. I'm Che Burnley, reporting for IC News. It wasn't just the EU that the government sought to preemptively blame for our coming winter this week. A winter that, coincidentally, is shaping up to be about as much fun as a swingers convention, where the mandatory condoms are double-sided and made of sandpaper. 
They also sought to blame doctors, and the government has rushed straight into yet another angry confrontation with the nation's GPs by pushing aggressively for a return to more face-to-face appointments. It's a push that's been met with dismay by the British Medical Association, who say the funding on offer is nowhere near enough to address the enormous backlog of NHS patients awaiting treatment and diagnosis. Our resident conspiracy theorist Danny Sutcliffe has the keys to the dimensional gate this week, and he's been travelling the multiverse in search of his own solution. Doctors. For too long now, they've had it fucking easy. Oh, you studied for seven years, did you? Well, I've done the research, and you know what? It turns out that most uni courses are just three years long. These fuckers want a round of applause every Thursday for being slow learners. And now they've got the nerve to warn us that we're heading into a bleak winter and that the last 250 pissing million the government are throwing at them won't make a blind bit of difference. The fucking gore of it. Do you know what I'd do with 250 million? Well, I'll tell you. First, I'd pay off one-eyed Barry from the Red Lion, because as things are currently standing, I can't set foot in Cheetah Mill without losing a bollock. He's a fucker for grudges, and his niece's leg never did heal quite right. In my defence, I did make it very clear at the point of purchase that the e-scooter had been very aggressively modified. Honestly, who gets run over in a cul-de-sac? By a fucking ice cream van! It's not my fault she walks like a cyberman now. I told One-Eyed Barry she should have checked a blind spot. Which I thought was a fucking excellent joke, but he did not take kindly to it. I've digressed. Second, I'd go on right move and buy the Big Brother house. And then I'd set up a fake production company and fill it with influencers. Then I'd lock the doors, block the toilets, cut off the food supply, climb upon the roof every now and then in my pants and best fur coat and shout down at them that only the strongest will survive. (laughs) I probably won't even film it. I just want to see Molly May kill a man with a hammer for a tin of pilchards. It's just for me, that one. You can do anything when you're minted, including, apparently, dodging all the fucking patients you like. Honestly, this pandemic, it's brought out the worst in our medical staff. The fucking superhero complex they've got now, just because they work 60-hour weeks in bin bags, died every now and then, and then got a de facto pay freeze in return. I banged pots on my doorstep for these bastards and now they're insisting it's a chronic shortage of doctors that makes clearing the backlog impossible with the current funding. Well, I say bollocks. Honestly, I'm so short of empathy and patience at this point, I could probably get a job as a GP's receptionist. I'm in full agreement with the government on this one. Clearly, what we actually need to do to fix this crisis is just cram as many ill and infirm people as possible into the lobbies of our GP practices. And what's more, we should do it at the height of our combined flu and Covid crisis this winter, when all of our superbugs team up and sort of form a terrible megazord. If a few thousand extra deaths don't clear the fucking backlog, nothing will. 
it's not like there's a political cost to a bit of wholesale slaughter in Boris Johnson's Britain, so why not just fucking embrace it? There just has to be a better alternative to the ludicrous pipe dream of a properly funded NHS, helmed by a competent health secretary who both listens to and understands the concerns of actual doctors. Which is why I've come here to Earth Delta Tango Nick Riviera 24-7. Here... The medical system isn't burdened by obscene bureaucracy like qualifications. Quite the opposite. All you need to do to set up your own GP practice is a Facebook account and if you post enough shit, you automatically get a doctorate from the University of Dunning-Kruger. Which sounds Belgian, so it's got to be good. There's none of that Earth Prime backlog shit in this reality and it's because proper doctors don't shy away from their patients. Nurse, send the next one in! (coughs) Hello, pal. I'm Dr Sutcliffe, PhD, DMT, NCIS and MDMA. What can I do for you today? (coughs) (coughs) Doctor, I feel terrible. I'm short of breath. I'm fatigued and I've completely lost my sense of taste. I'm worried my oxygen levels are dropping and I've looked on Google and apparently it might be this coronavirus thing. Well, don't be a fucking wally and believe everything you read on the internet, pal. Coronavirus is a hoax perpetuated by Big Pharma, which is absolutely not real, but is also simultaneously being spread by the CIA through 5G, so that child-murdering Satanist paedophiles can profit from pushing experimental drugs and microchips on our children. (coughs) Really? That sounds implausible, but... You are the medical expert. Too fucking right I am. Just take six of these ivermectin suppositories a day and listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. And under no fucking circumstances get vaccinated or you'll die. Okay. (coughs) Um, I I don't mean to be rude, Doctor, but these suppositories, they're they're rather large. (coughs) I know. They're from me mate at the vet's. Which is why I'm also prescribing you these poppers. The old spoonful of sugar doesn't help with a suppository designed for shire horses. Oh dear, why not? Well, if you've never had an adventurous wank at the beach, pal, I'm not going to waste my time explaining it to you. I'm a very busy medical professional. Now off you pop. (coughs) Fair enough. Thank you so much for seeing me in person, Doctor. You're welcome. Try not to cough on anyone on your way out. There's a good lad. <coughs> <sighs> this is the life. Helping people and giving back with absolutely no regard for the actual realities of workload or patient safety. It must be what a Tory L secretary feels like all the time. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and there's a whole bunch of tablets in this cabinet I'm fucking itching to try out, reporting for IC News. Danny's report brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back next week with the grand finale of Season 5, but until then, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Dominic Raab and his replacement as Foreign Secretary Liz Truss agree to share the 15-bedroom Grace and Faber Chevening Mansion, after reportedly falling out over who would be paying the gas bill. 
I'm kidding, obviously, it's you, the taxpayer, you're paying it. DC Comics reveal that their latest incarnation of Superman is attracted to both men and women. Is it a bird? Is it a biplane? No, it's Superman. The family of 90s wrestling icon Ted DiBiase is ordered to repay a significant amount of misspent money intended for a welfare fund. As a result, he will now be known as the several million dollars less man. And finally, Happy Mondays dancer Bez is to star in Dancing on Ice, which makes a nice change from seeing him dancing on ecstasy. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with a right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of me van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger me. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.